Hello Hackers, my name is Dominic Norton and I am the podcast host of Hackathon Entertainment, the show where we bring you the story behind every hack. For those new to the show or hackathons in general, a hackathon is a collaborative 48-hour event where participants called hackers come together to solve the world's toughest problems. You'll be surprised, excited and amazed with the solutions people are developing all across the world. If you listened to the show before, you'll be excited to know we're in for another great one. In this episode, I interviewed David Clark, the CEO of Amnesty International and the founder of Call for Code. Call for Code is a global challenge for developers and non-developers worldwide to come together to solve global problems. David shared with us the story of how it all began. I hope you enjoy the show. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. It's funny, like I was able to, uh, you know, I raced Steve Cram and a few Brits back in the days, but I was 5,000, 10,000 marathoner, um, started off with an, a running apparel company. It's interesting. So I went to uh, New York and the guys that were financing me, um, they were the original guys that actually funded Ralph Lauren in the yeah. 60s when he had this idea for fat ties. That's literally how Ralph Lauren started. Um, and anyway, in my late, 20s, I had this idea that I approached Ralph Lauren with because he was just focused on making luxury goods. And I was an athlete and I had an athlete athletic apparel company. So I pitched him this new idea called Polo Sport that he thought was silly. And so I was explaining to Ralph Lauren, like, no, um, if you think about the rich traditions of Harvard or or Oxford crew rugby, you know, there's room for Polo Sport. So uh, anyway, he introduced me to his brother and I went with one of my financiers um, and really pitched, pitched Polo Sports. So I really learned at that young age to kind of start at the top and work your way down, right? And so around that time, you know, I was doing that. But 25 years ago, I decided to start a for-profit company that could create what I call cause brands. So they're not very, it wasn't like the, the, the traditional CSR, corporate social responsibility, where a company would make a donation to a charity. So my idea was to create a, 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 a cause brand that would have a value proposition that so many different people could come and, and, and get involved in. And I was fortunate that a friend of mine was Muhammad Ali's biographer and liked what I was doing. So he introduced me to Muhammad Ali, who at the time, was the most famous person on the planet. And Muhammad wanted to talk about promoting tolerance and understanding versus bigotry and prejudice. So I needed something that was even bigger than Muhammad. So I actually branded the word healing because his name is in the middle, right? H-E-A-L-I. Because everything he talked about encaps- was encapsulated in the world, like healing racial divides, healing this, healing that. So by creating the World Healing Project, 
we were able to get people like Bill Clinton and Prince, the good and the great to kind of come out for it. So that was kind of the origin. I started you know, out of college. I started as an entrepreneur in athletics. Um, I ran for Adidas, but then it kind of transformed me into just focusing on creating cause brands. What I find really interesting about your story is your story resonates with my audience and my audience, you know, especially if you're in your 20s and 30s, you grew up here in the Silicon Valley dreams and people want to start next billion dollar company, not necessarily cause brands, but now yeah. you're seeing more and more, especially developers looking for ways to start those cause brands but those models haven't really been, there's only a few of those models that are really on a large scale. And even the Agreed. ones that are on a large scale, the media is not maybe giving them the attention. Well, that's, that yeah, that's right. So, so, so it's funny. So as an example, like I was impressed with, you know, the, the great Bob Geldof in Live Aid, but I also know Malcolm Gary, who actually helped put that together for him. And really what he said was interesting to me. He's like, it was a charity event and Bob wanted everybody to do everything for free. So after he built live aid, nobody wanted to take his phone call the next day because they're like, Oh my God, he's going to ask us for something free. And I was like, there's gotta be a business model yeah. there where, you know, I pay people. Sure. I ask them to sharpen their pencil and give me a good, good rate, but there's gotta be a way to create a for-profit company that can replicate that, continually. Yeah. And so that was, that's what I did. So through the creation of, 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 you know, uh, David Clark cause, and it, it's had a few different name changes. That's what we were able to do, but it's also creating a business model where we never really hire people. We really inspire them to engage. So even in terms of, you know, president Mandela, I was able to work with him because I actually got to explain to him that he is, he was such a human rights icon that he had the ability to rebrand AIDS. Yeah. And he was initially like, well, what do, you, what do you mean? I'm like, President Mandela, hundreds of millions of people have died of AIDS and they will die of AIDS, but they're not dying because they're sick. They're dying because they're poor. And if you let somebody die because they're poor, it's actually not a health issue. Yeah. That's a human rights issue. So if you stand up and tell the world that AIDS is no longer a health issue, it's become a human rights crisis, you can rebrand a global pandemic and he did right and so we created his four triple six four brand that he really focused the last 10 years of his life on um and it it i mean it literally it changed legislation because people could no longer discriminate against you know people suffering from aids because that would be a human rights violation yeah. so i kind of through my my athletics kind of learned to just look at the world in a different way and then also, even with President Mandela, you know, I went on behalf of the United Nations, right? So that's why he was he would participate. Or when I went to Prince, you know, I asked on behalf of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So it's really leveraging all these things um, to get these cause brands started. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give you the, I don't know if you know the inspiration for Call for Code. I, I was going, that's one of my questions that I have on the list. I have, yeah. uh, I've done my research and I have what's on the website, but the story from you is always interesting. Yeah, so, so it's interesting because I'm not a technologist at all, at all. Yeah. But when the 2016 elections were happening around the world, it was amazing to me how much 
the media focused on developers, rogue developers hacking elections. And I was like, oh my God, like these people with this incredible skill sets have the ability to create so much disruption and chaos. It was truly frightening. And then I also, so how I come up with these cause brands, I just start asking myself a series of questions that I then need to answer. So my, the first question I ask myself is, if I was a law abiding developer like you, wouldn't I be annoyed that these rogue developers are giving us all a bad name developers? And I'm like, I think, I think they should be annoyed. How many are there? So I did my research and it turns out there's 24 million developers in the world. And then I had this crazy idea. I'm like, well, what if, what if I could create what could be called a justice league for good? where we could actually inspire all of these developers to focus on specific social challenges and use their incredible gifts and talents to, to, to create game-changing solutions. I'm like, all right, that sounds great, but why in the hell would they do that? Well, what if we could create what would be the equivalent of the Nobel Prize for developers, right? I know everybody knows that the Fields Medal is considered the Nobel Prize for mathematics, right? In terms of comparison. So what if we could create the Nobel Prize for developers? We could really make developers famous. And what we could also do is really showcase developers for being the superstars and the change agents that they really are. So it's not just, you know, people hacking and feeling invisible because they're the people that are creating the building, building blocks of our society. What if they could really wear these badges of honor, right? And so I shared this idea of call for code with the United Nations. And they're like, we love it. Technology is the future. If you could create this global competition, we will support it. So then we needed a global company that actually had the resources to make it come to life, not gradually, but immediately. And so we looked to IBM and as you know, you know, on, June of 2018, President Macron and Ginny Rometty, the then CEO, got up on stage and she announced the initial $30 million and it started and it grew and it grew. And so part of making it a prestigious award, you know, we have an amazing ecosystem where people like Bill Clinton and, you know, Linus Tordevald and amazing technologists actually help weigh in on whose solution is going to win so it's authentic right so in addition to winning two hundred thousand dollars you're recognized by your peers by icons and then we actually deploy so i think that sets us apart from like a hackathon yeah and then what's happened now in our fourth year is call for code you know we, we get code from i think 180 countries now um We've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of developers in our ecosystem. It's now become call for code on 24 seven. So not only do we do the the call for code global challenge, but as you know, we were able to quickly adopt call for code for COVID. We're doing call for code for mental health. We we just started with the UN. We announced call for code for racial justice because I don't care what country you're in, you're having issues with, with racial justice. So now we're going to just, continually create additional call for code challenges in addition to the the the, the, uh, the global challenge so uh, it's 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 pretty rewarding to see how quickly it's it's expanded organically actually yeah it's 
It's very impressive. Uh, two things that immediately stand out to me is that, especially because you have led this kind of global innovation and it's, it's, it's a cause brand, but really is still heavily involved with technology, especially for exactly. partnership. And common, I guess, common forces that people that are not technologists can't do this. And you're demonstrating that this is possible. What would you, what advice would you give other non-technologists that want to utilize technology, but that's not their niche, that's not their expertise? Well, that's right. I mean, I'm a perfect example. I mean, you know, I don't know much about technology at all. <laughs> so I think that the analogy that I would give is everybody can have a dream. Um, and the analogy I would use is Tom Sawyer. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but Tom Sawyer basically pointed to this fence that he needed painting and got the most amazing people to paint it. So for me, if you can create an idea, you know, an exciting big idea, you can reach out and find people that can actually execute for you. So for me, I'm blown away by the level of talent and technology that's come into play to actually paint this fence called Call for Code. Yeah. Right. So it kind of so anybody can host a party, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the smartest guy at the party. It just means you're the host. So I'm kind of the host of Call for Code. So what I would encourage other people to do is come up with a great idea for a party, be the host and inv always invite people smarter than you to join. What I love about that message is it's contrary to some of the stories that we've been told about technology and the history of technology. We've been told, you know, there's this one brilliant man or woman and they're leading this and they're making phones and computers and all yeah. these different types of technologies or rocket ships nowadays. And really it's a team, right? And really you invite people smarter than you, like, like you just mentioned. One thing that I can almost hear my audience saying is that, what if you can't find investors? I can I can hear them saying that now. What what are your ideas on starting cause brands? And they don't have to be, you know, you're at the highest level international scale. Maybe they want to start a cause brand for their local community or their country. What thoughts do you have on that? Well, I think you know, it's 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 kind of like eating the elephant, right? If you look at how big it is, you just walk away from it. You've got to eat one spoonful at a time. So you've got to break it down. But then the other thing you have to do is, and it's funny, I see this as a classic mistake. People go asking for money. I never ask for money. I approach these companies with opportunities. So as an example, with IBM, you know, they initially pledged $30 million and the next year, $25 million and all the sponsors are tens of millions of more, but we don't ask them for money. We explain the opportunity for them. Right? Yeah. So I think you just have to think about it in a different way. you got to, it's like a paradigm shift. So, you know, you've got to, to, to create an idea that's compelling and then, then go to financial people. And before you do, you need to figure out, what's in their interest, why it is in their interest to do it. And once you explain that, it's not very difficult. Um, so I think people just have this idea of like, oh, I've got to fundraise. I've got to ask people for money. Yeah. But it's a very different thing to 
go presenting opportunity to go present opportunities yeah. to different people. So I think you need to do a little bit more legwork. Um, you've got to figure out like what's in it for them. And then you've got to explain it. So you would say the first, maybe the first conversation or the first outreach is more a discovery session, like, like you would do yeah. a normal business, right? You B2B, you're doing a discovery session, see the needs of the business, and then see if you can actually offer them something that they want. Well, that's right. Yeah. So you have to think outside of yourself instead of thinking like why it's good for you, because the reality is not that many people care. <laughs> you have to think what is in it for the different stakeholders? What is in it for? So with Call for Code, what is in it for the Linux Foundation? What is in it for Verizon and IBM and the United Nations? What is in it for all of these different groups that make up this ecosystem? And when you can actually answer that question, you know you've solved the Rubik's Cube. So you don't go out until all those sides line up like this is why the yellow side works for sponsors and the green side works for NGOs and the blue side works for developers. And so you just have to like spend a little bit more time figuring out how this puzzle works. And the interesting thing is that's what developers are the best at yeah. problem solving. They just need to know that that's the first problem they have to solve before they get people engaged around their idea. Yeah. So I, to I totally understand. And it's weird because I haven't heard it put that way, even, even within and developer communities were a little bit different. We, we like to focus on technical things and products, but when you look at those challenges as a technical challenge, you kind of reframe your whole world and how you see like approaching partnerships and approaching potential customers and potential all these different stakeholders. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's, that's, but that's also a great way to know if you're, idea is going to work and if it'll work and become sustainable, right? Yeah. And organically grow. And so I think that's the model that, 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 that I've, uh, you know, I follow that I've kind of figured out this methodology with these cause brands, but most importantly, it's what's in it for the person that you need. That's people are receptive to like, what's good for them yeah. versus somebody asking for, you know, just help. Yeah. I would love to know what. Uh, your keys to value-driven value initiatives. So you focus a lot on value-driven initiatives, but what does that mean and what are the keys to actually developing value-driven initiatives? Yeah, I think for me, it's really anything that that helps people, anything that elevates the human condition, right? So it's a, it's a pretty pretty wide aperture. It's not just you know one or two things. It could be anything. I mean, we're dealing with things that are promoting women's rights, and racial justice. And literally tonight we have a broadcast uh, that supports veterans with Prince Harry and Bruce Springsteen and Brad Paisley. And we were able to get all these folks involved because it supports veterans. It could, so it's really anything that's important to you that helps other people. And what does it, what makes a great impact project? So you see, probably about, you have 400,000 developers, you have so many amazing projects. Obviously it's hard for us to generalize what makes an amazing project, but in yeah. your opinion, what are the projects that you resonate with the most personally? You know, I think it's the ones that have really moved the needle. I think, you know, I'm especially proud of the work that, that we did with President Mandela to rebrand HIV AIDS, right? That was, that was significant. I mean, I think, 
um, working with the family of Anne Frank to throw her 75th birthday tribute was significant. Um, we're working with the United Nations right now on an initiative to rebrand gender equality as a fundamental human right. So for me, you know, it really comes down to how much bandwidth you have and can you do it at scale, right? So if we agree, first of all, I think if you help one person, that's fantastic. If you have the ability to help a million, that's great too, right? So what is the best use of your time? So right now I'm very selective about the initiatives that I pick because I know that there's an opportunity cost. If I'm working for my local homeless shelter, why am I not coming up with a cause brand that can deal with homelessness on a global scale, right? So I think that's kind of where I've come to just how do I use my time? But, but the reality is it wasn't always like that. So I think, you know, you do want to start where you're at and build initiatives, gain some confidence, gain some credibility, and just keep growing. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really love about Call for Code and your cause brands is that they're cause first, technology second. What you see a lot now, especially in heavy startup, startup ecosystems, is technology first. So they say, I'm an AI company, I'm a blockchain yeah. company, whatever, and then cause second. And that's what I really love about how you're communicating everything is cause first. And it will it it reframes how we start to develop a solution to problems. Sometimes you don't need AI, right? Or sometimes you don't need a really high-tech solution. Maybe you just need to automate a certain workflow for a charity and do that. Well, that's right. So, so here's the analogy, right? So if you go to see a doctor and your doctor is just focused on technology or different, you know, pharmaceuticals that that he believes in, that's going to dictate how he looks at your uh, issue and solves it. You don't want a doctor like that. You want a doctor that, that you want to go in and have your doctor have a blank slate and say, all right, what's wrong with you? Okay, this is the technology. This is the medicine. This is the thing that's going to help that. So really, you know, the guiding star needs to be humanity. It has to be the problem. And then you figure out how to match the challenge with a solution. Anything other than that, and you're going to get come out with with skewed results that aren't human centric. What are your views on? And on, I'm going off your website, right? So I'm not sure if you thought too much about this, but there, there's a phrase that really stood out for me about repositioning developers. And yeah, it stood out to me because. I'm seeing it in real time in hackathons. I'm seeing developers looking for something else. And for a long time, it's been startups, but they're developers that can easily work at the Googles, the Facebook, the Amazons, are uh, looking for more impact than those companies are currently offering. That's what it meant to me. What, what does repositioning developers mean? Well, yeah, no, and we, and it's funny, we found that in real time. So it's, it's, it's amazing how many people want to work at IBM now because they're leading this global initiative called Call for Code that's really moving the needle. Because almost without exception, if somebody has a skill set, imagine it as a tool chest, and you have the ability to build a convenience store or a hospital 
with that tool chest, what are you going to pick? You're going to pick the one with purpose. And every study will show you that if two products are equal, a bar of soap and a bar of soap, but this one actually also helps people, you know, elevate out of poverty, people are going to pick that product. So people by nature want to, to have purpose. And I think the interesting thing about the developer community, I really saw it as an outside person, as an underserved community, as an underappreciated community, because these are people by nature that don't, you know, go out and promote themselves. They're busy with the work they're busy creating the substance and a little flash didn't hurt, right? So rebranding them as the change agents that they are, I mean, I would love to see a parent go, oh my God, I would rather have my kid be a developer than a lawyer or a doctor. And the reality is with the skills that you, you, you develop, you're a bigger change agent than the latter two, right? So it's really repositioning it in society so if you're a developer it's one of the highest professions that you could possibly have and what we're doing is we're also educating the public to actually understand the role that developers play in society and how monumental it is it's been but more importantly what it's going to mean for the future that's why i think cool for code and your cool brands is so important because like you did with nelson mandela and Muhammad Ali and their initiatives, you're attempting to change the way people see the world. And people exactly. See and like you just described, you're attempting to change the way people view technology and the way they see the skills that developers have and the potential for those skills. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's absolutely right. And then I think the developers know if it's authentic or not, right? So that was the thing with, with, with Call for Code, we made sure that the developers are at the core of the ecosystem. It's developer driven. And that's why, you know, um, developers, they own all of their intellectual property. Like we don't touch that. That's sacrosanct. That's their ideas. If anything comes to that, that's up to them to control. Right. So I think developers know if something's genuine, if something's just meant to promote a company, um, because they talk. <laughs> and so that's what I'm most pleased with is that this is really created for developers by developers and it's growing exponentially now because of the developer community. How do you, well, one thing that we constantly speak about with organizers and especially when it comes to sponsors and partners is value alignment. The alignment, there has to be alignment in values between the stakeholders you work with. How do you ensure that there is a value alignment between you probably get all these thousands of companies want to be a part of the initiative? Yeah. Obviously, you have to be selective. How do you know the companies that are doing it for PR and the companies that are doing it because they're like IBM, they're really invested in social causes that are deeper than corporate yeah. social responsibility? You know, it's, it's, it's a mix. So I think the first thing is like we interview all the companies that want to join the ecosystem um, and almost without exception, they're coming for the right reason and they've got a lot to offer, right? It's, it's like, you know, we've got this amazing potluck and we love the meal they show up with, right? Um, now, that does, that's not to say that a company wouldn't come to us with amazing API or amazing offering and they might be doing it for PR, but if they could provide so much to 
the, to the developers, you know, we may welcome them, right? So I'm not here to say we're going to create this, this crazy standard where it's like a loyalty test, yeah. you know, no, I mean, we're going to make sure that they abide by our rules, that they support developers. Um, and we hope their motivation is great. Um, we control the messaging. So nobody could actually hijack the platform and go out and start messaging in ways that are untoward because, you know, we can stop that. So we monitor everything, but, um, you know, it's a pretty open call as long as you show up with something that actually helps the ecosystem. Uh, we're all ears. I think you, and, and part of my reason for connecting with you is because I think we're going to see more cause brands and I haven't any, I, it's, it's probably original to you, but I haven't heard anyone say I, I manage a cause brand or I founded a cause brand, but I think we're going to see a lot more, especially during changes that are going on now and coming yeah. out of those changes, we're going to see a lot more. And what I want to do is give you the platform and showcase you because I don't think you as a founder and your ideas are being pushed enough within those to develop communities because we as developers are definitely looking for the stuff you're saying is what we're looking for, for the initiatives of IBM are the stuff we're looking for. And then you have people that want to found companies looking for models and direction. And that's what you're providing. I think my last question is what advice would you have for developers and non-developers seeking to have an impact? So what practical advice would you have for them? Yeah, I think the, the most practical advice I would have is first identify a social challenge, a developer, you know, identify a problem that needs to be solved. I mean, that, I know that sounds obvious, but it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's so, so come up with something that really needs you know, attention. Yeah. And then take the time and really whiteboard out like, okay, here's the, the challenge. Let's work back. What could we do that could change it and be as audacious as possible, right? Just write down anything that you think would help that. And then once you've defined that, then you can figure out who are the people that can actually build it, right? So you're not going to have AI if AI is not needed, but you will if it is needed. So first identify the problem, figure out roughly what you think the solution would be. And then based on what that solution is, who are the people that can actually build that? One, uh, one thing that immediately came to mind is when, when you mentioned AI and I just what run when some, sometimes when you, when you said stuff, what rings through my head is what developers would say within our community. Yeah. And there are times where AI is needy AI is needed in most cases it's to speed up operations or make yeah. operations more efficient. It's not exactly needed. It just improves stuff for the most part incrementally. So would you say to leave it out? Would you say to keep it in? I would, well, no, I would say, you know, not to be, you know, Mr. Analogy, but, you know, I would tell any chef, your meal is awesome, but a little salt and pepper doesn't hurt, yeah. you know? So yeah, you could leave out the salt and pepper, but it might just make it a little bit better. So, and the point is, if you're trying to make your solution, you know, as dynamic as possible, why not? It just really depends. Um, 
it depends on what you're cooking, right? Yeah. So I think that you want to have all the tools available. That's another thing that I really like with Call for Code is, you know, through Call for Code, developers are given access to tools that on their own they might not otherwise have, right? And so that's the thing. Like I could be an amazing chef, but if you just throw a bag of potatoes at me and carrots, you know, I can only do so much. But if you, you know, give me the keys to the supermarket, I can create some amazing things with my creativity and my skill. So that's another thing is making sure that we arm developers with the tools and technology so they can just go crazy and do whatever they think they that, that's needed to come up with the best solution. I love that. I love that concept of just giving the developers the tools and letting them go crazy and come up with a solution. Your philosophies and your ideas, do you see that consistent with some of your peers and people across that you do business with, that companies that maybe are on the same kind of scale you're on, are these consistent? No. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I actually don't know of any company like mine. Yeah. I, I just don't. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> so I know people do, you know, cause related things, but I don't know any other company that's created a business model out of it yeah. and is consistently creating cause brands. So um, I'm not sure what to think of that. I think <laughs> probably it's that people don't really understand that it's a, a methodology that can be replicated because if they would, I think they would love to. So hopefully through, you know, your work, um, people will understand, you know, the type of work I do and others that you find interesting so they can tackle it. So, you know, I guess I'm here to say I'm, you know, I'm like anybody. I'm, 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 I come up with good ideas. I come up with terrible ideas, but some of the good ones, you know, I can attract people to them and I think anybody can if they just make sure they tell people what's in it for them and start building these cause brands because I think the world could use a lot more of them, quite frankly. I want to thank you. It's been amazing speaking to you. I, you, I don't think it's just good for my audience. I think me as a, as a developer, it makes me think about, I was calling this brand, the Hackathon Entertainment, a social innovation community. Yeah. But I'm focused, I think it, it leans on what would be a cause brand, but I haven't specifically divide, uh, decided the causes. I just focus on, like a media company would, telling the stories of all these hackathons that are going on and the causes behind those. And well, that's, but, but I guess what I would, I would say is, you know, maybe, maybe the causes are just the cause. I mean, the reality is you don't have to pick a cause, yeah. right? So my company is founded on social innovation, um, but it could be anything, right? So I wouldn't limit yourself. So the fact that you're doing what you do, I think is really compelling because you're not making, you know, square pegs fit into round holes. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's more open than that. So I would encourage you to kind of take it up at the next level and just, just make it about issues, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I want to thank you. That's that's where I've been leaning. You know, it's and and I get I get conversations with organizers, kind of giving me tips and stuff like that. One thing that I wanted to be it more focused on, you know, uh, Dragons Den and Shark Tank. They focus on yeah. the end pitch. 
for me, the quality is in the story behind leading up to that pitch. For me, the pitch isn't, that doesn't really matter. It's the story and everything that goes on between when they first have the idea to when they get up to the time to pitch to investors. Well, I think that's right. And I think that's why it's funny when I tell people the origins of Call for Code, how I was just just amazed at, you know, the power of developers really from the negative side initially, and then thought like, well, how could we, we appeal to the positive side? You know, it demythologizes it. It's not like I was on a mountaintop and I had this revelation. It was just watching the news and I started asking myself questions, right? So I think that's the one thing that's, that's an active thing to do. Ask yourself questions. I never come up with ideas for ideas sake, it's always in relation to asking a question. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. developers.